EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash inside EMS. Well, here it is, ladies and gentlemen, and once again, it's time to go inside EMS. I'm Chris, and here he is, my good friend from world-famous Pitkin, Louisiana, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm sitting here on the couch, scratching the dog, and, and uh, waking up. It's a, it's a good morning. Well, it sounds like you're having a good morning. It's amazing how, how the, the outside of a dog is good for the inside of a man, so it's a, um, yeah, it is. It's a... Dog wakes me up. It's like, hey man, time to get up. Uh, I gotta pee, but before I do, I love you. <laughs> now, was that you so, talking to the dog, or was that the dog the talking couch. to you? No. <laughs> well, it could be me, but no, it's 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 the dog. He's you know, like he just he just wakes you up and and sits next to the bed and and puts his head on the mattress, just looks at you with the soulful eyes, like I've been sitting here watching you while you were sleeping and. Man, I love you, but um, I got to pee. Uh, could could you like uh, let me outside, bro? <laughs> so after I do that, he'll he'll come up here and hop up next to me on the couch, and stuff. it's like my it's 120 pounds of, of blood pressure medicine, man. Man, he just scratches his head, and and uh, your tension melts away. Yeah, I mean, it, when when we have pets, uh, you know, there are some people that uh, treat their pets like dogs, and some people who treat their pets like family members, and. You know, when you uh, when you have a pet that is a family member, it kind of changes your perspective as to the importance of that dog in your family. And you know, it's it seems like without them, you know, they're not your, your life isn't complete. You know, it's it's just like having another kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I've I've never gotten the people that don't treat their dogs and their pets as family members. You know, I, I just that that sort of thing doesn't compute with me. I've had I've had dogs before as a professional dog trainer that that uh were my showcase dogs you know and they were worth fifteen twenty thousand dollars uh they were still members of the family uh they were raised inside and and you know be a soup hound inside the house and, and until it's time to go to work and then they'd go do their thing but they were still, still members of the family just i don't know how you do it any other way oh, i'm with you man i'm with you so you know kelly there was an article that was on EMS one that dealt with some complaints from EMS staff towards leadership. And, you know, we don't want to specifically talk about that alleged report, but what we want to do, I think is we want to be able to spend some time talking about, you know, leadership's responsibility to the workforce or how, you know, this problem of uh, a disconnect really between you know, the, the workforce and the supervisors and the managers, because I, I, I've been saying it for a long time that the days of command and control are leading from a position of authority are over. Mm -hmm. And now that, Oh, I wish other people adopted that, that philosophy, but I, I think <laughs> we've got to talk about it enough that we start moving here. Here's the biggest problem with the Kelly is that we don't invest in our leaders to invest in our workforce. 
you know, th these are folks, and we've heard it for a long time, these are folks who are great paramedics, but they have no leadership skills. Now, just because someone's a good clinician, we need to be able, we as, as the senior leaders of the organization, need to give them the tools necessary for them to be successful in leading the most precious resource we have. Think about it this way, Kelly, that the workforce is the only resource we have in our organization that will appreciate in time rather than depreciate in time. So as soon as we buy an ambulance, that ambulance isn't worth $150,000 anymore. As soon as we buy a monitor, that monitor isn't worth $25,000 anymore. We start to lose value in it. But if we invest into our workforce, if we help them reach their goals, if we help them grow to the next level, if we realize that they're the true measurement of leadership success, mm -hmm. They increase in value and they make our jobs easier. But let me ask you this question. As far as the disconnect between supervisors and the workforce go, I mean, you were a supervisor at one time. You choose mm -hmm. to be a provider on an ambulance. And you know the, the rampant problems that are going on in EMS when it comes to command and control, leading from a position of authority. What mm -hmm. do you think is the biggest disconnect between the supervisors and the workforce in the EMS field. Well, you mentioned it earlier. We we promote these people because of clinical skills and past performance in their in, in their their field position or whatever position they were in, um, and they're promoted as a as a reward, uh, I guess, um, but not for any particular skills. And and there's this is not an uncommon thing in EMS or in any other profession. There's even a name for it. It's called the Peter Principle, you know, and Lawrence Peter. Uh, postulated that that people rise to the or managers rise to the level of their incompetence. They're promoted because of, of good performance at, at a particular level, uh, and then they're moved up until they can no longer perform effectively uh, at, at their new position, and that's where they top out. And the problem is, you wind up with a, a bunch of people who are uh, or an organization that's top heavy with people who suck at their job, um, and, and that's how. Uh, poor management cultures uh, start um, rather than the way we should be doing things is we we should be promoting people according to character traits uh, and abilities uh, to perform the new job not you know I've just been able to hang around at this particular EMS agency longer than anyone else without getting fired you know, and, and that's often the way promotions are done based on seniority or the fact that someone shows up to work on time with their boots shined and they clean their truck every day and they turn in billable paperwork. Therefore, let's promote them to management. Um, uh, you know, that that's the way it's uh, been done in, in most of the places that I've uh, I've worked or I've dealt with. Um, and, and it really shouldn't be that way. It should be based on what are your people skills? You know, what's your what's your overall commitment uh, to excellence? Um, what are your uh, ambitions rather than, you know, particularly how well you, you do your job as a paramedic? Um, what are your management skills? Um, we don't select people like that, and that's a problem. And <clears throat> the ones that we do select, um, we don't give them any specific training 
uh, in management and leadership. And, and as a result, we have, we wind up with people, uh, like you and I argue about frequently. We have, you say, you say leader, uh, when the reality is, is most people are managers. Right, right. And I think we got way too many managers and not nearly enough leaders. Uh, and, and that's, I think we, we have many people in the, in the role who are not suited to it. Well, I think that there's a bigger problem as well. I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right where we start to see that we're not doing a good job of training the people who are coming on board as supervisors. But here's the problem. What are you training them for, right? So yeah. I, I think that there has to be a, a focus when we think about leadership development. We've got to be able to look at every single position that we have in the organization, whether it's a field training officer, whether it's a paramedic, whether it's a supervisor, whether it's a clinical coordinator, and so on and so forth. And then we've got to determine what competencies those positions need to have to be successful. And then once we determine those competencies, i.e., let's go ahead and talk about a, a field supervisor, I would think they have to have strong communication skills, they got to have good resource management skills, they got to have good conflict resolution skills, they've got to mm -hmm. have good emotional intelligence. So what we do now is we look at each position and we develop a, 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 a set of competencies that go with each position. For a clinical coordinator, maybe yeah. it's something that they need to be a good, they, you know, they need to be good instructors, good communication skills. They need to have, you know, whatever that is. And then what you mm -hmm. do is, is you grade people on those competencies, meaning that if we talk about you know, that a supervisor needs to have good conflict resolution skills. Now we set that competency from zero to maybe 10, and we list the levels of, of conflict resolution from zero to 10, and then we're able to grade the people who are coming into the positions and say, okay, now this guy, Kelly Grayson, uh, he's good in communication, but his uh, conflict resolution skills are a four. So I know that I need to help him grow from a four to a 10 or, you know, Kelly Grayson, he's got this conflict resolution skill. That's a four, but this Chris Sabalero guy, his conflict resolution knowledge is a, is a nine. Who do we want to invest in? But, but what mm -hmm. this does Kelly, and I hope I'm not babbling, but what, yeah. what this does Kelly is it now it gives me your supervisor, the knowledge of how do I grow you to your next level? And then in turn, you're able to have the skills necessary to complete that job as a supervisor, to complete that job as a cl clinical coordinator, to complete that job as a manager. So it's, I agree with what you're saying. We just kind of throw them in and, you know, we, we kind of think about what they may need, but I think it has to be more of a chess game than that, especially when we're dealing with a workforce. And I, I've been saying this for a long time, the true measure of leadership success is how engaged, how satisfied, and how productive your workforce is. If you mm -hmm. can't measure those three things against your leadership acumen, you fail as a leader. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and you you just talked about the nuts and bolts of it, you know, and, and, and how to apply performance metrics and, and, and how to quantify uh, someone's skills or, or potential skills that need to be developed uh, as a leader. Uh, for me, it's something just uh, something uh similar in in purpose but but in uh in philosophy it's just a lot more simple uh a good leader quite simply makes it easier for his subordinates to be excellent 
not harder. And, and, and we do exactly the opposite all too often in EMS. We make it harder to do your jobs well. Uh, a good leader uh, is, is uh, practices servant leadership and makes sure uh, that uh, he can get the best out of his employees, uh, or I'll say employees, uh, the best out of his subordinates, and, uh, and they will make him shine or her shine. Uh, an example here, uh, Dwight Eisenhower. You know, I always thought that Ike was uh, uh, historically was, you know, one of our, our better leaders. Uh, and the man was not known as a, a fiery, brash general. Uh, he was not known as a uh, um, as a strong uh, personality. Um, but what he was was extremely effective, you know, and, and I think people uh, didn't give the man the credit uh, he, he was due as a leader. There's a there's a news article that says or a, a, an article online that says that um, uh, Ike kept a uh, kept a, uh, in, a paperweight on his desk with a Latin inscription that meant gently in manner, strong in deed. Uh, he never threatened people. Uh, he never blustered. Um, he was he was his was a, a quiet, understated style of leadership. Um, uh, in one of my EMS article, EMS one articles, I wrote that, uh, that, um, uh, the, the key to effective leadership is practicing responsibility upward. Um, and, and the, the principle behind that is, 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 um, uh, you do the very best job as you can and, uh, you keep, uh, uh, you protect your, your subordinates, um, from the, the level of leadership above you and you do your best to serve their needs. Um, and when you do that, they will break their backs trying to make you look good. The operative saying is that rank hath its privileges, rank also hath its duties and its obligations, and the duties and obligations always outnumber the privileges. Uh, the, the leader doesn't eat until his troops have eaten, that sort of thing. Um, and when you practice that, uh, then the people that you, you uh, supervise are going to recognize it, uh, and they will, they will bend over backwards uh, to do their best for you. Uh, I know that as a as a supervisor uh, um, that worked for me. Uh, it, it works for me on an ambulance uh, with a crew member who is brand new. Um, I'm going to do my best to make them uh, to allow them to do their jobs effectively, and as a result, they make me. Uh, look like a really good paramedic. <laughs> you know, they're not the kind that's going to hang me out to dry. Um, and, and they'll actually be that guy that can, uh, you know, EMT saves, uh, paramedics save lives, but EMTs save paramedics. I've had my EMTs uh, make my job much, much easier on many occasions for that very reason. Uh, I treat them like human beings uh, and, and I expect them to do their jobs and I make it easy for them to be good EMTs. You know, I, I think you bring up a lot of great points. So let's go ahead and talk, Kelly, now about some tips maybe we can give to the, the supervisors out there, some tips we can give to the workforce of mm -hmm. the people that are out there. Because one of the things that I think happen a lot is when individuals get involved with a, a supervisor that may be inappropriate, that may not be a little bit self-serving, one of the things that they uh, do is they start to withdraw and they start to act differently themselves. Well, if this guy doesn't care about me, why do I need to care about the organization? One of the first things that I want to be able to say to the workforce is never allow anyone who is above you that has poor uh, behavior 
unprofessional behavior affect who you are as a professional? Now, Mm -hmm. I know as well as anybody that, you know, a a bad work environment is going to make you drag your feet, but you've got to be able to be self-motivating because what you don't want to do is you need to make sure that your reputation precedes the organization. You know, I can't tell you how many times that there were, uh, I've heard these stories about people who were poor leaders, they had a poor uh, workforce, a poor uh, employee, uh, uh, you know, a poor performing employee, and then they're trying to go to another position. And maybe another EMS system calls for a reference. And the leader has said, you know what? This guy complains all the time. He doesn't come to work on time. He leaves his ambulance a mess on time, you know, leaves an ambulance a mess at the end of the day. And now you've just ruined your opportunity for your own personal growth. So Mm -hmm. regardless of how the leadership is coming down from the top, if it stops with you, you're the one that sets the professional example. You're mm-hmm. the one that has the motivation. You're the one that has the inspiration. This is where you are at this point in time in your career. For you to move on, you've got to do your job better and cleaner than the next guy. What do you think? I, I think that's. Uh, I think those are words to live by. Um, uh, another tip I would say is is, uh, and this is another. I'm. I'm I lean heavily on on Eisenhower again. Um, Be a navigator, not an instigator. Um, Eisenhower said that the art of of leadership is uh, the art of getting someone else to do something you want done because he wants to do it. Uh, and, and motivation and mentorship is, is imperative and that sort of thing. You don't decree, uh, that people will do things. You make them want to do things. And that's what, uh, and, and most people, if you give them the, the tools and the opportunity to do something well, are probably going to come up with, uh, uh, a better solution to a problem that you might've come up with at, at first, uh, at first thought, um, and, and that sort of thing is both makes you uh, more effective and, and makes uh, your organization uh, much more attractive to, to people to work in uh, because people want to feel valued. So um, that sort of thing is, is uh, important. And, and his, uh, his principle there is be a navigator not an instigator. Uh, you don't, uh, you don't, uh, uh, stand at the back and crack the whip and drive people forward. You, you stand at the front and lead them and show them the way, uh, you do that in your words and in your deeds. Um, what's the old leadership principle? Don't ever ask a subordinate to do something that you are not willing to do yourself, uh, and, and prove that you can do as well or better. Um, you know, and, and for me, that's always worked. And that's something that you, you can, you can do, uh, at your agency, uh, that is going to buy you capital with your subordinates. Um, you know, how many, how many times do we see an EMS, for example, a supervisor who won't, uh, you know, won't pitch in on a call or one you, that you only see when you've done something wrong. Uh, you know, or, or you, you show up at an accident scene and the supervisor's there to, to stand around and talk to the cops, but he's not getting refusals, uh, when, when there's seven or eight people to get refusals, one to be, uh, and, and one to be treated. Um, and, and you have to do all those things yourself. Uh, we've all run into that guy. Um, 
And it's pretty simple in, in practice and philosophy just to not be that guy. Lead from the front instead of the back. So as we now get ready to get up there in our time, I do want to be able to touch really quickly on the supervisors that are out there. And maybe they have a little bit of ego in their position. Maybe they mm -hmm. have a little bit of leading from a position of authority. Maybe they have a little bit of command and control. And I want to be able to talk to those people, Kelly, because truly what you're doing is not only are you uh, putting yourself into a bad light as a leader, but you're also hurting your, the people who are supposed to be making you successful. Mm -hmm. And it, it may not be your fault. I mean, you were put into a position and you may not have been given the guidance that you needed to be successful. And I want to say that that's okay, but don't allow your emotions to dictate your actions when it comes yeah. to your workforce. If you don't have a leadership development program in your organization, start to read about leadership. The first thing, mm -hmm. you know, Kelly, you said something that was very interesting earlier. You said that we don't have enough leaders we have managers. I want to I want to briefly talk about that definition. When you're a manager, you lead processes, you lead things, you don't lead mm -hmm. people, okay? Yeah. Leadership isn't a position. Leadership isn't a noun. Leadership is a verb. Leadership is an yeah. action. And regardless of your position in the organization, if you can influence the guy next to you, Technically, you are a leader. But going back to those people that have supervisory positions that may be harassing, that may be demeaning, that may be unprofessional, you really have to be able to think about this, this statement, Kelly. Would you work for you? And if the, an excellent. And if the excellent answer point. is no, change your ways. Yeah. How do you go about changing your ways? I think that's the sticking point. How do you go about changing your ways? Because people tend to, 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 to adopt things that have worked in the past uh, and, and may not yet work in the future, you know, and that those ways may have worked at their, their previous role, but when they're moved into a leadership position, just, just don't cut it. Yeah, that's, you know, would you work for you? Uh, is an excellent metric to apply. Um, but hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Email us at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, an EMS leader if ever there was one, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.